Part two, chapter three of A Lost Lady by Willa Cather. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Niall had planned to do a great deal of reading in the Forester's Grove that summer, but he did not go over so often as he had intended. The frequent appearance of Ivy Peters about the place irritated him. Ivy visited his new wheat fields on the bottom land very often, and he always took the old path that led from what was once the marsh up the steep bank and through the grove he was likely to appear at any hour his trousers stuffed into his top boots tramping along between the rows of trees with an air of proprietorship he shut the gate behind the house with a slam and went whistling through the yard often he stopped at the kitchen door to call out some pleasantry to mrs forrester this annoyed niall for at that hour of the morning, when she was doing her housework, Mrs. Forrester was not dressed to receive her inferiors. It was one thing to greet the president of the Colorado and Utah en dishabille, but it was another to chatter with a coarse-grained fellow like Ivy Peters in her wrapper and slippers, her sleeves rolled up and her throat bare to his cool, impudent eyes sometimes ivy strode through the rose-plot where captain forrester was sitting in the sun went by without looking at him as if there were no one there if he spoke to the captain at all he did so as if he were addressing someone incapable of understanding anything hello captain ain't afraid this sun will spoil your complexion or well captain you'll have to get the prayer meetings to take up this rain question the drought's damned bad for my wheat one morning as niall was coming up through the grove he heard laughter by the gate and there he saw ivy with his gun talking to mrs forrester she was bareheaded her skirts blowing in the wind her arm through the handle of a big tin bucket that rested on the fence beside her ivy stood with his hat on his head but there was in his attitude that unmistakable something which shows that a man is trying to make himself agreeable to a woman he was telling her a funny story probably an improper one for it brought out her naughtiest laugh with something nervous and excited in it as if he were going too far at the end of his story ivy himself broke into his farm-hand guffaw mrs forrester shook her finger at him and catching up her pail ran back into the house she bent a little with its weight but ivy made no offer to carry it for her he let her trip away with it as if she were a kitchen-maid and that were her business niall emerged from the grove and stopped where the captain sat in the garden good morning captain forrester was that ivy peters who just went through here that fellow hasn't the manners of a pig he blurted out the captain pointed to mrs forrester's empty chair sit down niall sit down he drew his handkerchief from his pocket and began polishing his glasses no he said quietly he ain't overly polite more than if he had complained bitterly that guarded admission made one feel how much she had been hurt and offended by ivy's rudeness there was something very sad in his voice and helpless from his equals respect had always come to him as his due 
from fellows like ivy he had been able to command it to order them off his place or dismiss them from his employ niall sat down and smoked a cigar with him they had a long talk about the building of the black hills branch of the burlington in boston last winter niall had met an old mine owner who was living in deadwood when the railroad first came in when niall asked him if he had known daniel forrester the old gentleman said forrester was he the one with the beautiful wife you must tell her said the captain stroking the warm surface of his sundial yes indeed you must tell mrs forrester one night in the first week of july a night of glorious moonlight niall found himself unable to read or to stay indoors at all he walked aimlessly down the wide empty street and crossed the first creek by the footbridge the wide ripe fields the whole country seemed like a sleeping garden one trod the dusty road softly not to disturb the deep slumber of the world in the forester lane the scent of sweet clover hung heavy it had always grown tall and green here ever since niall could remember the captain would never let it be cut until the weeds were mowed in the fall the black plume-like shadows of the poplars fell across the lane and over ivy peter's wheat-fields as he walked on niall saw a white figure standing on the bridge over the second creek motionless in the clear moonlight he hurried forward mrs forrester was looking down at the water where it flowed bright over the pebbles he came up beside her the captain is asleep oh yes long ago he sleeps well thank heaven after i took him in i have nothing more to worry about while they were standing there talking in low voices they heard a heavy door slam on the hill mrs forrester started and looked back over her shoulder a man emerged from the shadow of the house and came striding down the driveway ivy peters stepped upon the bridge good evening he said to mrs forrester neither calling her by name nor removing his hat i see you have company i've just been up looking at the old barn to see if the stalls are fit to put horses in there tomorrow i'm going to start cutting wheat in the morning and we'll have to put the horses in your stable at noon we'd lose time taking them back to town why certainly the horses can go in our barn i'm sure mr forrester would have no objection she spoke as if he had asked her permission oh ivy shrugged the men will begin down here at six o'clock i won't get over till about ten and i have to meet a client at my office at three maybe you could give me some lunch to save time his impudence made her smile very well then i invite you to lunch we lunch at one thanks it will help me out as if he had forgotten himself he lifted his hat and went down the lane swinging it in his hand niall stood looking after him why do you allow him to speak to you like that mrs forrester if you'll let me i'll give him a beating and teach him how to speak to you no no niall remember we have to get along with ivy peters we simply have to there was a note of anxiety in her voice and she caught his arm you don't have to take anything from him 
or to stand his bad manners. Anybody else would pay you as much for the land as he does. But he has a lease for five years, and he could make it very disagreeable for us, don't you see? Besides, she spoke hurriedly, there's more than that. He's invested a little money for me in Wyoming, in land. He gets splendid land from the Indians, some way, for next to nothing. Don't tell your uncle, I've no doubt it's crooked. But the judge is like Mr. Forrester. His methods don't work nowadays. He will never get us out of debt, dear man. He can't get himself out. Ivy Peters is terribly smart, you know. He owns half the town already. Not quite, said Niall grimly. He's got hold of a good deal of property. He'll take advantage of anybody's necessity. You know he's utterly unscrupulous, don't you? Why didn't you let Mr. Dalzell or some of your other old friends invest your money for you? Oh, it was too little. Only a few hundred dollars I'd saved on the housekeeping. They would put it in something safe at six per cent. I know you don't like Ivy, and he knows it. He's always at his worst before you. He's not so bad as... as his face, for instance. She laughed nervously. He honestly wants to help us out of this hole we're in. Coming and going all the time as he does, he sees everything, and I really think he hates to have me work so hard. Next time you have anything to invest, you let me take it to Mr. Dalzell and explain. I'll promise to do as well by you as Ivy Peters can. Mrs. Forrester took his arm and drew him into the lane. But, my dear boy, you know nothing about these business schemes. You're not clever that way. It's one of the things I love you for. I don't admire people who cheat Indians. Indeed I don't. She shook her head vehemently. Mrs. Forrester, rascality isn't the only thing that succeeds in business. It succeeds faster than anything else, though, she murmured absently. They walked as far as the end of the lane and turned back again. Mrs. Forrester's hand tightened on his arm. She began speaking abruptly. You see, two years, three years, more of this, and I could still go back to California and live again. But after that, perhaps people think I've settled down to grow old gracefully, but I've not. I feel such a power to live in me, Niall. Her slender fingers gripped his wrist. It's grown by being held back. Last winter I was with the Dalzells at Glenwood Springs for three weeks. I owe that to Ivy Peters. He looked after things here, and his sister kept house for Mr. Forrester. And I was surprised at myself. I could dance all night and not feel tired. I could ride horseback all day and be ready for a dinner party in the evening. I had no clothes, of course, old evening dresses with yards and yards of satin and velvet in them that Mrs. Dalzell's sewing-woman made over. But I looked well enough. Yes, I did. I always know how I'm looking, and I looked well enough. The men thought so. I looked happier than any woman there. They were nearly all younger, much, but they seemed dull, bored to death. After a glass or two of champagne, they went to sleep and had nothing to say. I always look better after the first glass. It gives me a little colour. 
it's the only thing that does i accepted the dalzells invitation with a purpose i wanted to see whether i had anything left worth saving and i have i tell you you would hardly believe it i could hardly believe it but i still have by this time they had reached the bridge a bare white floor in the moonlight mrs forrester had been quickening her pace all the while so that's what i'm struggling for to get out of this hole she looked about as if she had fallen into a deep well out of it when i'm alone here for months together i plan and plot if it weren't for that as niall walked back to his room behind the law offices he felt frightened for her when women began to talk about still feeling young didn't it mean that something had broken two or three years she said he shivered only yesterday old dr dennison had proudly told him that captain forrester might live a dozen we are keeping his general health up remarkably and he was originally a man of iron what hope was there for her he could still feel her hand upon his arm as she urged him faster and faster up the lane end of part 2 chapter 3